friends. Welcome to the In the Whisper podcast. I'm your host, Nita Wilkinson. We all know that life is just plain hard sometimes. Join me each week as I talk to a girlfriend about their journey of overcoming and how it always leads back to Jesus. Today, we're going to welcome Stephanie Prorsma. She is going to talk to us about marriage, and she and her husband have been through an interesting journey, and she is the author of the book, Reclaimed, Finding Your Identity After Marital Betrayal, and she also has a webpage, reclaimedministry.com, and of course, all of this will be in the show notes. Welcome, Stephanie. I'm so glad you're here. So can you just tell us how you came to need to write this book, Reclaimed? Yeah. Yes, of course. First off, thank you for having me and for allowing me to share. You know, this is definitely one of those stories that you don't want to have. Yeah. Uh, and then when you're forced to be in a position and forced to face the really hard and the really ugly, that's where God's goodness and faithfulness comes alive. I thought I had a strong faith journey. I thought I knew enough about the scriptures and what it said about forgiveness and God's grace and walking in humility until I was forced to face betrayal head on. And my story starts when my husband and I were married for seven years at the time. And he came home with a blindside confession to a 10-year pornography addiction, which had led to multiple affairs. And so you can just imagine my shock and the horror of this confession that just, I mean, honestly, his confession was kept secret for so long. Our entire existence together was underlining. It was there. And so when he confessed, it just felt like this article of clothing that transferred over to me. There was nothing I could do to get out of the straitjacket. I was literally stuck. And when he was confessing, it was that Holy Spirit. You know when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you just get like the Holy Spirit goosies. Yeah. <laughs> you just get that warm rush of like God's presence has has never felt more real than what that moment did wow. for me. I felt that just that, um, that warmth of his peace, not a physical touch, but a spiritual touch, like mm-hmm. a spiritual hug of God just saying like, I've got you. It's going to be okay. It was in that moment where everything that I had thought about my faith journey, everything that I was raised in, we were both raised in the Christian church, Christian homes, communities, Christian school. So I knew the answers, but everything up until that point, I didn't need it as if it was the very breath that would sustain me. I didn't rely on my faith like it was going to be the very thing, like manna, right? I didn't long for it until I needed it. <laughs> right. And often that's what happens, right? Is is we're going along and thank you, Jesus, for this day. Praise, mm-hmm. praise God. Like everything is good. I'm fine. It's great. And then wham, something hits you and you're you're faced with a position to go okay god i'm going to turn into you or i'm going to turn away from you and in that moment i i clung to god i mean i dove into the bible and i was like god what are you trying to teach me and so that night we separated and that was probably the lowest point of my entire life oh i'm sure to my husband yeah yeah and it was an empty house. We had two kids at the time. I was faced with having to single parents, and it was awful. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
What made him decide to tell you after all this time? Clearly, you didn't have any uh, suggestion that he was doing that. So what made him decide to tell you at that point? Yeah, so interesting. Six months prior, he had a moment with one of his business partners where he turned around that day and they shared an office and Greg had turned around and just said, dude, we got one chance in this life or we burn in hell. And for whatever reason on that day, that spoke to my husband and he went outside, fell to his knees and just said, God, I don't, I can't do this anymore. Just take this from me. Whatever you need to do, I, I cannot continue with this life. So for six months prior, I had started to notice this change in my husband where he was becoming the spiritual leader that I craved. He was starting to put priorities in place that matched the word of God. It wasn't selfish decisions first. It was, well, what does God say about this? What does God want? You know, what is his best before I do my best? And so for six months, I'm noticing this heart change in my husband. And not to say that it was bad before, our marriage was great. Our marriage on the was really pretty. We had great communication. We had great intimacy. We had great play. It was good. Marriage was good, but it wasn't great. Yeah. There was things that were missing. So that six months prior, those things that were missing were starting to show up in the everyday decisions. And then the night before he confessed, we had gotten back from a church event and I went to my computer. It was dead. So I went to his instead. And when I opened up his computer, Facebook popped on. And so I was looking through his Facebook, just out of curiosity for no other reason right. aside from curiosity. I had no reason to investigate. I had no reason to look for red flags, but I had seen that there was some deleted messages on his account. And so I popped up that time you could undelete messages. Uh-huh. And I did. And that's where I noticed a couple different exchanges between women and nothing was sexual. It was just conversations that should have been for me. Right. Um, and there was enough red flags in these conversations to make me go, uh, this is not okay. And so I addressed it that night. And it was the next day that he felt pressure. She knows. She knows enough. Right. Um, she's stupid. She knows something's up. And I, I need to let everything out in the open. And he did. So you... So... It was kind of a double whammy because you were finally getting that spiritual leader that you wanted and maybe didn't even know you were looking for until he was there. And then the bottom dropped out. So I'm yeah. sure that was double hard to, to be moving in the right direction and then have that happen. So you said you're separated. How long were you separated and what were you doing while you were separated? Oh, girl, I did a whole lot of crying and nothing. Mm, I'll bet. <laughs> During I'll separation, bet. We were separated for 10 days. God knows that part of my DNA is just that I'm wired to be stubborn. Um, <laughs> part of that is my Dutch heritage. And I think that that was on my side mm-hmm. that actually benefited me because I was stubborn in my prayers. I was stubborn in my faith. I was stubborn in my pursuit of God. And so during those 10 days, part of me being stubborn was also being stubborn against God's command to forgive and Uh not just forgive the sins that we feel are worthy of our forgiveness, but to forgive all sins. Because I struggled so much with that, 10 days after confession was Good Friday and not go unnoticed in my eyes. I think God's divine timing of everything serves a purpose. 
So Good Friday, I wrestled with that. Like, God, I'm going to accept what you did on the cross for me. I'm going to accept the blood you shed for my sins. And I'm going to give grace. I'm going to give love. I'm going to give forgiveness to everybody. But there's this one individual that has hurt me so deeply mm-hmm. for so long. And the deceit runs so deep. I'm not sure I can ever forgive him for those sins. So I'm going to accept everything over here. I'm going to give my husband a sentence for his sins against me. So if we can just move right along (laughs) for Easter weekend, that'd be great. And you know the full story. That's not how God's love and his grace works. uh, That night I called Tim home and I spoke the words, I forgive you. It was probably one of the most gut-wrenching moments I've had because in that moment i expected peace i expected to feel better and i felt worse i felt more confused more frustrated like god it's not fair it's not fair that he gets an out it's not fair that he be forgiven for this because i'm still wrestling with all of the broken emotions and all of the ugliness and the shattered pieces of my heart and i don't know where to go from here god but because i love you because you are my king my savior because of what you did on the cross for me, I'm going to I'm going to follow through with this and I'm going to give this whole thing to you. And that's where our story begins is the the point of forgiveness and where my journey of healing started. Yeah. So tell me about him during this separation. I'm sure that he was more than devastated as well. Yes. Yeah, you know, we had two kids at the time. Right. And one of the crazy things that came out of my mouth was before i left the house after he had confessed was well you have to stay here for the kids (laughs) you say some of the silly things right right and that was just shock that was emotion and so he was present for the kids during our short separation we had it arranged where he would come at night and he would do the dinner and bedtime routine and I mean, our kids were young at the time. They were under five years old. So it was easy to pass along and not have them clue into any of the the hard things that we were processing. But we did it in a way where he would send me a text message and just say, I'm on my way two minutes out. And when it came like 30 seconds before he arrived in our driveway, I would get in the car and we would just pass vehicles in the driveway. Like I couldn't even talk to him during that time. He stayed at his dad's house those 10 days. You know, I had given him a a couple of different books to read. Mm -hmm. I can't speak for him in regards to what he was processing, but there was was a lot of brokenness. There was a lot of of shame, a lot of crying out to God. He wrote me letters during that time. Oh, wow. We started our daily accountability with our pastors and mentors. And so he he had done a lot of meeting with different people during those 10 days a lot of wanting to meet up with me and realizing that she just needs space in this moment. Right. And, and I got to say, he did confession and separation really well. Yeah. A lot of men want to just force their way into the healing journey and they don't allow for that broken bride who just discovered right. infidelity or just discovered or confessed to an addiction. They don't allow that bride to to just process everything. And Tim did that so beautifully. You know, during confession, he had the kids removed from the home. So not not knowing what my reaction was gonna be, I was in a safe place. 
I could express whatever I wanted without little ears hearing. Right. Um, not everybody has that, but he prepared, he did everything he could to prepare me for this bombshell. And he respected my need for space. Yeah. He respected the boundaries that I put in place. I think that comment that was rather, you know, just kind of out of nowhere six months earlier, you had said he became a spiritual leader. And that is very clear in the things that you just said. He knew it was going to be difficult and he made it as easy as he could for you. And to think in those terms when he had to be in turmoil too, because he did not know how you were going to react. Friends, can you imagine walking this walk that Stephanie's walked? She had a really good marriage and felt good about it. And then it became a great marriage. And she had the spiritual leader in her home that she didn't even know she had been looking for. And in one moment, it all came crashing down. But she was stubborn in her prayers, stubborn in her faith, and stubborn in her pursuit of God. And she learned to forgive through that stubbornness. But the hardest to forgive was her husband, and yet she found a way. I don't know where you are in your walk right now or if you've walked in these shoes, but I love her example of just being stubborn in her pursuit of God until she got where God wanted her to be. After we hear from Gifts and Grace, we're going to hear where they are today and what they're doing to help other couples. If you've listened to this podcast very long, you know how passionate I am about women who have faced trauma and just loving on them, meeting them where they are like Jesus would, and showing them the love of our Savior. If you are local in Logan County or anywhere near around there, we would love to have you join us on Tuesday nights at 6 o'clock at Union Station. On that night, we have a Bible study. We might make jewelry. We might have an education. But it's all about the women who need to hear the love of Jesus. So feel free to come and join us 6 to 7.30 at Union Station. You will be as blessed as I hope the women are that we serve. Now let's go back to Stephanie and the rest of her story. Let's talk about where you are today and how things are going. Yes, so it's been 12 years since confession. Two years afterwards, we we were very intentional about our healing. We kept our circle small. We told very few people. We had family and friends that did not know until our church asked for our video testimony. We just aired all the dirty laundry for everybody (laughs) to see. From that point, that was really kind of the birthing point of Reclaimed Ministry. Immediately following, we knew we didn't go to church that day that our testimony played. We just, you know, there's a lot of shame involved and we just opted not to go. But we knew when church got out because our phones blew up. emails and text messages voice messages just saying thank you i needed to hear this you convicted me i need to go home and share my wife my bride women contacted me saying can we meet for coffee and so i started these coffee dates with women just listening to their story offering hope and encouragement and getting them connected to the right resources for their particular story because every story is different every journey has you know kind of this umbrella of uh, similarities, right? Betrayal, infidelity, sexual addiction. Right. But the details are so different. The fine print is different between each bride. And so getting them connected to the right resources, the right counselor for their individual walk became a weekly thing for me. 
Wow. Um, from that point, the 700 Club, CBN, contacted us. And they came out. They they filmed our testimony. And it's aired twice on their show with millions of views. And so now just this circle of women just locally contacted me. Turned into now a nationwide wow. connection. My girlfriend, one of my, my closest mentors, my go-to, she said, you know, you, you should start a small group and you're going to write the curriculum for this. I'm like, I'm not a writer. That doesn't work that way. <laughs> That's not my thing. That's not my jam. And, you know, I will be the first to humbly accept and acknowledge that I have grammar issues. I know that not everything I post is perfect. Right. But I know the message of hope is because that's God. Right. And God is perfection in, in all of who he is. He has a perfect message of hope and healing to offer to us. And if I can be a vessel and sharing that hope with other people, then I think God's going to forgive a forgotten comma or run on sentence. <laughs> I'm pretty so, sure. Yes. So pretty I was sure. convicted pretty heavily of that. And I wrote a curriculum guide for small groups that I've been leading now for nine years. We've had wow. hundreds of women come through these small groups. Incredible healing testimonies and, and stories that have been shared that I've been able to walk alongside these brides and see firsthand God's healing power to be able to see couples restored and couples reconciled post-divorce and to see women walk through painful, messy custody battles, but with such grace and such peace. That's God, yeah. right? That's God. And it's been beautiful. After a few years of meeting with small groups, that's when I, I wrote The 30-Day Journey, The Reclaimed Finding Your Identity After Marital Betrayal. Uh-huh. August, it's been released for two years. And wow. it's just been, it's been so humbling to read the messages and reviews of these brides who have found hope through my messy, messy story. I mean, who knew, right? Right. Well, that's, uh, you know, as, as I listen to you talk, all I can think of, this is beauty from ashes. Loads and loads of beauty from really messy ashes that, you know, like you said, it's not anything you want to do, but your experience is allowing other women to have hope and other couples to have hope. So that's fabulous. Now, does your husband, does he meet with men as well? Or is he more private in what goes on? Uh, we like to say to each other, stay in your lane. <laughs> my lane is relationships and emotions uh-huh. and messy situations. And his is business and admin management mm-hmm. skill set. He does meet with husbands locally. He uh-huh. does have phone calls. But that, that husband has to reach out to him. Right. Because he knows firsthand that if it's not a personal choice right. to step out into freedom, it's going to be forced and you're going to fall right back into the repetitive, negative patterns, the sinful patterns that we're all guilty of walking into. Right. So yeah, he does meet with husbands, but it's, it's not very often. From what I understand, this can be a, an addiction that really takes hold of you. Did he see a therapist to help with this? Did this just come from his spiritual growth that he had in those six months? How was he able to overcome this? 
one of the scariest moments, a couple of them during those six months where he fell to his knees and just said, God, take it. The beautiful part about that was that God took it cold turkey, like his need and desire to pursue all things pornography, his need to masturbate, to meet with women. That was completely gone. Now it's the nature he's built with an addictive personality. So if it's not pornography, it's going to be something else. And that's something that God has just been working on him all of these years is mm-hmm. to have balance in the margin and to have a buffer zone of accountability and mentors around him to say, Hey, you're getting really one one sided here. You're getting tunnel vision into this one thing, whether it be work, hobbies, family, uh, your tunnel vision is not allowing God to shed light in it. So you need to you need to open up. You need to take a step back again. And so we did. We surrounded ourselves with right. daily accountability, mentors, counseling when needed, the resources, podcasts, watching the marriage seminars online at home in the privacy of our own living room, reading all the books, diving into our own individual relationships with God because we were taught through marriage counseling, premarital counseling that as a couple, you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's true. I don't argue that. But when you become codependent and ride the coattails of somebody else's faith journey, yours is not true and authentic. Right. And we had done that too often prior. And so we really focused on our own walks with Jesus Christ and having that personal relationship. And then out of that produced a union that we had, we had a shared marriage relationship with Jesus, but we needed to have our own individual ones first. Right. And so that's really where the focus was, was God, like, I want to grow in my walk with you. And out of that, a result is a healthier marriage, a stronger marriage, a thriving marriage. Right. You know, I never thought of that before, but it makes complete sense. And I think many of us would find ourselves in that situation where we're just kind of going on the coattails um, at different times on our life with each other. So that that's really interesting. But I love that you each had to find your own way. And then you still have that three strand cord, but it's even yeah. stronger because each of your strands with Jesus is as strong as it can be. That's amazing. Well, in, in one of those going back, the, the scariest moment in those six months that he never confessed, you know, he was looking for a scripture verse that said, I can confess my sins to God, but I don't have to confess my sins to my bride. Yeah. <laughs> There's no such thing. Probably not. <laughs> and I noticed but the, the spiritual warfare that was happening in him. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of times where he was laying in bed and you could, middle of the night, he would wake up screaming, bloody murder, high pitched. Wow. And I just thought he was dreaming until you saw like every vein in his neck, you know, was like forced and strained. Um, and it was almost as if he was trying to get himself off the bed, but there was this thing forcing him back down. Wow. And that was spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. That was the enemy trying to say, no, I don't want you to become a spiritual leader. I don't want you to walk out of your sin nature. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to, to find freedom from your addiction. You're not going to have a successful marriage because that's not my assignment. My assignment on your life is to get you to become tempted again. Right. I want you to fall back into this pattern because then I win that battle. Right. We all know God has the victory. Yeah. And some people do fall prey to that assignment that the enemy has on us. But for my husband, I, I saw him physically battle the wow. enemy because he was trying to break free of that bondage, trying to to break those chains 
from his past. That's amazing. It's really amazing that he could be that strong. I just think that it's amazing that he grew that much that quickly. Like God knew this was coming, and he prepared his heart and his spirit. And that's just the best gift he could give. And I love that, that he has people around him who watch him and keep him on track with love and with grace, because that's just such a beautiful gift. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story. I know that it will resonate with so many of my listeners. I always ask two questions at the end of my podcast. And the first one is, what is bringing you joy right now in your life? Goodness, you didn't prepare me for this one. Yeah, I like it to be a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) So we are in a season of rebuilding our home. Um, It's as a simple remodel project where I wanted to paint the the walls in our living room and it turned into a complete demo and rebuild. So we are currently in a rental home oh. and we have like a postage stamp of a yard. And I thought, you know what, I'm still going to have fun with this. And so for the first time, I have a vegetable garden and I've been growing some dahlias and sunflowers and that has brought me such joy to be able to look out our teeny little window and to see the beautiful bloom coming from these small little seeds. So, so much of God's creation story has been active and tangible by getting in the dirt and getting into the weeds of this garden. Yeah, that's definitely brought me joy. I could see where it would. So do you think you will have a garden when you get back to your home then? You know, this is kind of trial and error, but I think so. I yeah. think we're going to have some raised flower beds. I love a fresh bouquet of flowers. Right. So this has been a good training right. period for me. So I think so. I think I'll have a garden. I love that. And then the second question I asked, what are you reading right now? What am I not reading? I know. <laughs> Everybody always has like four or five books. And I get it because I'm in the same place. <laughs> I just finished Jennifer Lee Duke's book, Growing Slow. And the fact that my garden is bringing me joy and that I read her book, it's just come alive. That book was so great. I loved it. I I definitely recommend Growing Slow. But I just picked up a couple new books. My summer stack of books now is like 20 books high. (laughs) Uh, I just picked up Flooded and another one by Rebecca McLaughlin uh, called Confronting Christianity. So I've got like some, you might title them self-help books, Mm -hmm. (laughs) some pretty deep theology books, but I also have the fun, you know, story types. Yeah. uh, You know, the beach book. That's, that's (laughs) how I am. I read, I read fiction at night before I go to bed and, and the other stuff, you know, during the day. I'm going to have to read Growing Slow. You are the fourth person on my podcast to say they read that book. I'm going to have to get that because I think God is trying to tell me something. (laughs) So that's, yeah, I've, I've heard really, really good things about it. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing your story. I told you at the beginning or before we went on the air that that I was excited to hear this because I knew it had a happy ending. But I love how you are helping other people find sometimes happy endings together. And maybe even if they don't, you're able to give them hope in other ways. And so I just love your story. I want to thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much. Yep. You know, I think God gives us all a purpose. And if we can just embrace that, sometimes that purpose comes from a place of pain. Right. You know, if it blesses one bride, if it encourages one person to say, you know what, my mess is going to continue, but my eyes are on God. And yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to live for him no yeah. matter what. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much.
Thank you. Beauty from Ashes. That is what this story reminds me of. I love the resources that they used, that they were intentional in keeping their circle small so that they could have people that would hold them accountable and keep them going forward in the direction that God intended. The spiritual warfare that you see in their story is real. Her husband was making strides. He was becoming the man that God purposed him to be. And the enemy was having no part of that. And the spiritual warfare she describes when he was having night terrors is scary, but reminds us that we have to stay the course with God's word and accountability with those around us. Their story is messy and it's real and it's raw. And it's beautiful in all those things. Next week, we are going to have Leslie Kahnhauser tell her story of postpartum depression as well as prayer breathing. And this was a new concept to me, and I really enjoyed hearing about it. And I guess I found out I'd been using it in some ways and didn't even know it. You do not want to miss next week's interview with Leslie. Until then, thank you for listening to the In the Whisper podcast.